0: What? Ryan's yeah. actually going to preach. Yeah,
1: I know, I know. Um, we're we're just sitting here. I mean, what else would we be doing? So, can I ask you a question? Okay. Okay, good. Um, so so I heard a, a rumor that you're going to be doing the rim to rim hike at the Grand Canyon this summer. That is so cool. So you and Melanie are both doing it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So. I'm thinking, I mean, Mark and I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago, and it was amazing. But I'm thinking, if we could be down in the Grand Canyon and look it up, oh, it would just be awesome. So, what do you think? you think, think that's a good idea? Yeah, I think you need to prepare for it, though. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need to prepare. Um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to decide whether I want to make reservations for a plane or if I want to drive. And then, of course, I mean, it will be a little strenuous. So I'm thinking I might want to get a hotel room the night before and the night after. So once I get those reservations made, then I'm, I'm good to go. So what do you think?
0: What about the hike part?
1: Oh, oh, preparing for the hike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm thinking I probably shouldn't do that in tissues. I'm thinking I probably should do a little bit of research. I'll probably talk to Melanie about that. i probably need some hiking boots. And if it's an overnight, is it an overnight? If it's an overnight, I'll need a backpack that's big enough to hold a sleeping bag. Oh, and protein bars. I'll need protein bars. And so I thought between now and then, I might buy five or six boxes of different brands and just try them because it doesn't do you any good to buy healthy food if, if it's not doesn't taste good and you don't want to eat it. So um, got boots, sleeping bag, backpack, protein bars I think that's it so what do you think
0: what about uh, like practicing hiking and getting ready for it and your body ready for it oh get my body ready
1: um well um Alyssa and I work at the store and and I mean I'm on my feet all the time I'm moving all the time I'm carrying boxes I'm I think that that probably that probably is adequate what do you, what do you think think that's adequate
0: I'm thinking you're setting yourself up for possible injury and failure. I'm not making it.
1: Injury and failure. Wow. Wow. Injury and failure. Well, look, here's the thing. I'm not I'm not going to go under some big transformational thing here. Okay, I'm not going to remake myself into some hiking guru for just for one little hike down and up. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. Um, I'm not going to the to the workout gym every morning at five o'clock, and I am not giving up my Saturdays to hike up and down Brass Pound Ball like you and Melanie do. I'm just not doing it. Um, yeah, yeah, injury and failure. Wow. Anybody ever tell you you were a buzzkill?
0: you know there's there's a lot of time before and after church for conversations to happen in the middle of the the service is an interesting time for that you know well so we've we've talked in in week one you know we talked about how how prayer is our constant communion with god we We talked last week about how sometimes we we think that there's a deadline, much like building a house we think well God'll do it by this time and then through our, our process of prayer we we begin to see that oh maybe the deadline's moving or maybe we'll never see it and much like the people that were of, of that were marching around Jericho they they knew what was gonna happen but it was a weird way for it to happen and, and weapons would have been easier and, and it was a journey. Well today we're gonna talk about the heart our hearts and transformation. So as many of you know, I've been coaching a soccer team of five, six, and seven year olds, and yesterday was our final game, and uh, we don't keep score, so that's a good thing on my end. But uh, yesterday was our final game. The season's over. It's come to an end, and you know, I've, I've coached that young, so trying to, to get used to what they can pick up on and what they can't pick up on has been a little bit of a challenge. But So at the first practice, though, I knew I was like, okay, we got to go over the, a couple of main things, right? So rule number one, the main rule in soccer. Does anybody know the main rule? Yes, no touching the ball with your hands, right? At, that's what separates soccer from all these other sports. You can't touch it with your hands. So in our very first practice, we, we did that, and I, I talked about it. I said, we, we don't touch the ball with our hands. Practice, because if you do it in practice, you'll do it in the game, right? So I harped on that for a little bit, and finally it came to me. When my dogs go for something that we don't want them to get, we say, eh, 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 and they back away. So I told the, the kids, I said, no matter who picks the ball up, I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to say, eh, 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 and I'm not going to stop until you put the ball down. And they, they were like, oh, that's, that's funny, that's cool. I didn't tell them I'd do that to my dogs. I just said, that, that's, that's how we're going to fix this problem. And so, but the best part was, is that they began to do it to each other. So I'd be over here talking to somebody, i just hear, eh, 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 from five different voices, and I look, and somebody's holding the ball, and they're all pointing and laughing and giggling. And then it got to the point where by our last practice, they just wanted to hear everybody make the noise, so they'd go and wait for everybody to point it out. And so that, that was fun. But let me tell you, it worked. During the season, I don't think we had one person intentionally touch the ball with their hands. And at that age group, that's pretty good because, you know, they still don't think about it and reach down and pick it up And awe. I saw it on all these other games, but our team, we got that. Well, the other thing that we talked about the very first night is that when you kick a soccer ball, a soccer ball is round, right? Well, if you look down at your shoes, you know this, but your toe on your shoe is round, right? It's rounded over. And so when a round object hits a round object, you have no idea where it's going to go. Much like when you're playing pool and you hit it and the two balls clash. You don't really know how they're going to bounce. It seems random almost. Well, in soccer, you never kick with your toe because you can't tell where the ball's going to go. You know, you just kick it and sometimes it goes way over there, way over there. So we harped on that the first practice. And we harped on that in the second practice, and the third practice, and the fourth practice, all the way to practice number seven. And yesterday in our game, at least 12 times, I saw a nice hard kick with the toe and the ball just and the frustrating thing is is about one out of every five times you kick the ball with your toe it actually ends up going where you want it to and so in the game if somebody kicks it with their toe and it goes in a good spot you kind of feel bad telling them you know you can't do that because they say oh it went the right way but we didn't pick the ball up with our hands anymore awesome But something else that we started on the very first night of practice, kicking the ball with our toe. We taught them you can kick it with the inside, right where your logo is on your cleats. You can kick it with your laces. You can pick your foot up, much like a putter when you're playing golf. It's got to be flat to hit a ball, right? So you can have some idea of where it's going. Well, they just had a strong will, and they continued using their toes. But we did successfully get rid of picking up that ball. We'll come back to all this later. So today, the sermon's a little different. We're going to look at a couple different texts as we go. But first, I want us to look at Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29, we're just looking at verse 13 here. And and you can stay seated for this. It's just this one verse. And as I said, we'll be reading others throughout the, the, the time today. But Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says... These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. This is the word of the Lord and we can say, thanks be to God. So who in here loves, you just love getting your taxes done? Uh, there's one. Harlan, Yes. Yeah, it helps once you have a job getting your taxes done. But so many of you, I'm sure, much like me, it's one of the most dreaded appointments that you make all year. Unless, of course, you're going to see Wanda or Kent. Then it's just you look forward to it and you're you're glad to spend time with them, right? Getting your taxes done is just really never fun. Even if you already know that you're going to get a refund, you know, every year you get about the same and you're excited about But just the process of the forms and sitting down, and, and nobody really understands what's going on. But for most of us, we would rather be anywhere else than sitting in front of that person doing our taxes. Or sitting in front of our computer, using one of those online things, trying to do it correctly and then going and paying somebody because we couldn't figure it out. Most of us, when we go to get our taxes done, our attention would much rather be somewhere else. Our heart is not in it. It's really not. You're just there out of obligation because the government makes you file taxes. And then... Imagine how Wanda or Kent or the person at H&R Block or whoever's due taxes, imagine how they feel knowing that you're only there out of obligation. You're not there because you just wanted to spend time with them. And on top of that, you're only there because you're hoping you get something in return. It's really the only reason you're there. And sometimes you end up owing more, which is just a catastrophe. But they, they, they're they're not ignorant to the fact that your heart is not in that. Then they understand that. So if if prayer really is our continual communion with God, and in prayer begins to shape us, then God's wants become our wants. This starts with the heart. The same is true of, of, of friendship or marriage. The more time you spend together, the more you know the other person's heart and their desires. For example, if your spouse or even just a friend... You, you love Chinese food and you know that they do not like Chinese food. You are not going to recommend Chinese food every time you're going out to eat. Unless you don't want the relationship to thrive and last very long... And there's not anything inherently wrong with Chinese food. Thanks be to God. It's a wonderful thing. But the other person doesn't like it. And there's other options. So as the other side of that relationship, we say, I understand that you don't like that. And so it's okay if we go have Mexican food or or Texas Roadhouse or whatever. It's just not a good idea to suggest things... That, are, that that person just is not about and does not like. You see, I, I think our text in Isaiah, it, it tells us God is saying that these people were coming to worship and they were singing the right songs and they were saying the right things, but their heart wasn't in it. God felt like your tax assessor. They just said, you're only here because it's Sunday morning. You're only here because you know if you don't go to church, that your grandmother, who's no longer with us, would just be so disappointed in you. So you're here. And I think God can sense that in some of us. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. When it comes to our hearts... We've really, really got to do better about this. And, and so often, guarding your heart is an idea that we try to teach teenagers, right? We, we try to tell them when they get their first girlfriend or boyfriend, we say, now, sweetie, guard your heart. He's probably not the one. We love you, and we love him. He's a good guy, but, you know, you're only 14, and it's, it's probably not going to end in marriage. So guard your heart. Be, be you. Don't let him change who you are. Or vice versa. We all got that talk at some point. Guard your heart, because I love you. Guard your heart. Well, that is a good point, and that is part of it. Guarding our heart is essential for all of us to be the people of God. Even as adults, we have things that are battling for our hearts each and every day. Thoughts and ideas that are contrary to the way of God are presented to us thousands of times a day but we have to guard our hearts through prayer and asking God to reveal those things that are trying to penetrate our hearts. This can be as easy as what we give our time and attention to. I think if most of us sat down and, and, and charted out how we spent our time this last week, and we were honest about it, we'd probably be upset with ourselves of how much time we feel like we either wasted or we spend on useless things. And then when we look at how much time we were cognizant of we were that we were in prayer, that we were actively seeking the Lord, we'd probably be a little upset. If you have an overwhelming sense of anger toward your, your spouse or, or a child or even a friend, we've all been there. You know, when... When that person walks in the room and sits down and says nothing, and you're just stirred inside, you're just like, oh. That's a way we have to guard our hearts. Because sometimes it's not even something that the other person did, it's something that we've created in our heads, and we're just frustrated about it, and we just want to be mad, and we're upset. That is guarding our hearts. We've all been there before. And you see, the Holy Spirit is what plays a key role in us guarding our hearts. We, we could not do this on our own power. But the Holy Spirit is the only way in which we can fight against all of these things that want to grip our hearts and control us. So today we're talking about transformation of the heart. We're talking about how, how God knows our hearts. God knows that when we just show up to do something in the name of Jesus that He knows whether our heart is in it or it's not. God knows that that there's so much vying for our attention, but that we need to be giving our hearts to Him. So so what our hearts desire, what we really want, is what's going to propel us into action. This is why this series is called the Half Million Mobilization, not the Half Million Prayer to Pentecost but the half-million mobilization. Through prayer, God is transforming our hearts. And when our hearts are aligned with the heart of God, then we have work to do. The church with the heart of God will be unable to refrain from making disciples. The church with the heart of God will be unable to refrain from telling other people about Jesus. The church with the heart of God will be unable to pass by the needs in our city and just keep Walking, you know, much like Rebecca with with these children's homes, she didn't go seeking it out. But one of her friends mentioned it to her. Hey, I'm doing this, and you know, our pantry's a little low, and she could have easily said, "Oh, that's hard. You know, I'll I'll, I'll be praying for you." But no, she she got in with me, and she said, "Hey, do you think we could do this?" Absolutely. When we when when God's heart becomes our heart we can't help but act on things and be a part of the solution. So back to the soccer team. We, we were so much more efficient because we didn't pick the ball up anymore. Because see, in soccer, anytime you touch the ball with your hands or if one of them was to pick it up, you know what happens? The other team automatically gets the ball. So any momentum you had going, anything good that was about to happen, it just stops and it's completely reset and spun around. By taking the habit out of the game, we were more efficient, and we had less turnovers. Again, though, we, we still kicked the ball with our toe, and that really wasn't good. So, so my question for us today is, is, is did, did transformation happen in this soccer team? absolutely of course it did we are now a group of five six and seven year olds who are not going to slow ourselves down by picking up the ball in the middle of a soccer game the heart of the team has begun to change but we still need some change because there's still some things that need weeded out you see the transformation is in process Today, we desperately need God to transform our hearts. You see, I think we so often think that transformation is an instantaneous thing. Or it's something that we can either say, yes, it happened, or no, it didn't happen. And yes, it can be. God can begin to transform our hearts in an instant, in a moment. But as the people of God wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, what was God doing? God was transforming their hearts. Just, it took a while. Just like my kids on the soccer team. They could, they, could, they could not pick the ball up, but boy, they were strong-willed. They did not want to stop kicking it with their toe. And as their coach, I really didn't want to keep telling them not to. <laughs> they were so into it. But we need to cry out to God today to continue transforming our hearts. We need to have this same prayer that the psalmist had. In Psalm 51.10, I'm sure you've heard this before, but Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Or, or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not on your own understanding. And in all of your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now I I want to be careful here because when we talk about our hearts and and God's heart and and we get in this conversation, so often we we want to use scripture to say what we want it to say. I've I've met a lot of people that have said that their favorite scripture is Psalm thirty seven four. And Psalm thirty seven four is it's a good scripture and in the psalmist meant one thing when they wrote but it's so common in today's world that this text gets taken out of context psalm 37:4 says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart again this is not a bad verse but if this is the verse that we're going to build our prayer life around we've got to take it the way that it was written and that it was meant Now the verse is actually saying, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, God's desires will become our desires. That God will transform our hearts, so that as the will of God plays out, we recognize that the will of God, the desires of God's heart, are the desires of our hearts. But so many people think, well if I just delight myself in the Lord, then that new Chevy is on its way. And that's not what it's saying. You've been in the church long enough to know that. You, you've prayed hard enough to know that. That it's not just if I, if, I, if I give my whole heart to what God wants, that what I want just comes on down the road. It's a slippery slope that can really lead into some kind of prosperity gospel. But today, I think when we think about our hearts and God transforming us, I think we're better off focusing on this psalm and this proverb that I've read. Of prayers, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Prayers for God to transform us and to give us strength to trust God through the transformation. Has coaching and dedication transformed the kids on our team into better players? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. None of them are going to get a college scholarship if they don't touch a ball between now and the time they're 18. None of them. There's a lot more transformation that needs to occur. No matter where you're at in your walk with Christ today, there's a lot more transformation that needs to occur. Because we're not there yet. We're not with Christ in glory, so... There's a lot more transformation that needs to occur in our lives. Out of our hearts, our actions will take place. Our hearts will drive us to do things. Whether they're good or whether they're bad, our heart is going to do that. When we become a, a people seeking God for transformation and continual transformation, be ready for newness. Be ready for new perspective. Be ready for doing things that you've never done before. Be ready to continually be in prayer for God to transform you and to transform the heart of this church. We are the body of Christ, and if Christ is not our driving force, then we will never get mobilized. But we'll just be a bunch of people that honor God with our lips and with our words, but our heart won't be in it. Instead of acting a certain way to appease God, we need to experience God and ask God how we need to act. And when we get that in the right order, the darkness will begin to tremble because the light is on the move. Karen, would you come play for us? Um, I want to say one more thing, and then I really want us to spend some time in prayer for for God to transform our hearts, but also for God to begin to transform the heart of this church because we have hearts, but in this room we also share one heart as the church. So often in the church, for a long time, and, and, and we, we easily creep into this, we've, we've succumbed to this idea that, that when people come around or somebody slips in the back door, that we think that first, they've got to behave. They've got to act like a Christian. And then they've got to believe. And then they'll belong. But what happens when God begins to transform our hearts is at first we realize that, hey, we belong to something. That there is something that we can grasp onto, that we can be a part of. And we might not quite understand it yet, but we can be a part of it. And then... In the midst of that, we will begin to believe. When we feel like we belong in this community, then we begin to believe and we begin to see, wow, why are these people doing this? Why are these people like this? Oh, it's because there's something that's driving their heart. And then, once once their hearts are gripped by it and begin to transform, then they'll begin to behave like Christ. But it's never going to make sense if we tell someone to stop doing this. Don't do this. If they don't believe and feel like they belong, they're not going to have any purpose behind behaving. And it starts with the transformation of the heart. So today, I invite you, let's let's get serious about this. Let's really seek the Lord and ask for transformation. So I invite you, if you would like to come and kneel on behalf of, of yourself and, and, and in prayer that, that God would begin to continue transforming you, we need it. If you want to come and kneel on behalf of our church and just pray that, hey, God, point us in the direction, transform us, make us into who we need to be as your people. As Karen plays this morning, we're, we're just going to spend the next five minutes or so. And I, I hope that, that you don't just sit there and wait for us to say amen because you're hungry, but today that we would really earnestly seek after the heart of the Lord and say God, yes, this church has done great things and you've done great things in our lives, but we can't just stop there, continue to transform us, call us into newness, call us into what is next, call us into being who we need to be today because it's not who we were yesterday. And we don't know what that looks like, but as we pray today, may the Lord guide us and truly begin to transform our hearts. So, so come on, let's pray together. confessing that we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the life that we're living and we recognize that there's a difference. So Lord, we repent of the ways in which we look different than you did, than you do in this world. Father, as angels, we need to be sanctified today. We need your continual transformation in each every day is is, is calling us into newness as you're making all things new in this world Father we thank you for how you've transformed our hearts in the past but God even if we've known you for 70 years there's still more that you want to do in and through us so continue that work in us today help us to be attentive to that our hearts are going to propel us into action and if we're not being propelled to do anything, then maybe we need to seek you. Maybe we need more transformation. God, forgive us of the ways in which we have fallen short. transform us into a graceful community of believers that recognizes that we're not going to be perfect. Going to seek after you each and every day to lead us and to direct us and to guard our hearts from what this world wants to put in there. Father, today I pray on behalf of our church, the heart of our church, that we would seek after you and that we would make decisions that please you, that we would make decisions that, that look like the heart of God that would allow us to not look at the needs in our community and just walk past but to realize we've got to do something about this to become a people of sacrifice to become a people that are that are giving all to be a people that, that remember that you are a crucified Messiah that you went through it for us and so we are to go through it for the the other, for those that don't know you yet, Lord, may you use us, Lord, would you transform our hearts today, that they would be hearts of service to our community as you were a servant, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. substance of our hearts not because we're just service to what you said to do we're not just trying to behave but lord we we believe and may that belief drive our behavior and be the driving force in which why we do what we do each and every day and lord we will give you all the praise and the glory for what is to come in our lives and in our church continue lord to guide us help us to seek after you you today, Lord, and we recognize that that you are all we need. We thank you for a community in which we want to gather around your scripture and around around your word and around your spirit. May that be our firm foundation. All other ground is sinking sand. in my life be glorified. Yeah.